Amen, amen. Uh, well, guys, um, Advent going on universally throughout uh, our world. Churches all over are, are talking about the same things we're talking about. Week one, um, we talked about the fact that Jesus is our only hope. Last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus is the only way that we can have peace with God. The third candle that we light, uh, the pink candle or the rose candle this morning, uh, celebrates the joy that we find in Jesus. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. But I've got to be honest, it's tough. Uh, every week, we've, we've been defining things. So we kind of defined hope week one, and we defined peace week two. And, and then, man, if, I don't know if you've tried to Google a definition of joy lately, but uh, we must live in a joyless world because you cannot find a good definition. You can't. I mean, I mean, as a staff, we probably, I lie not, we spent over a half an hour arguing over definitions. I was like, I hate that. That's not right. That's not right. Yeah, Tiffany's like, well, yeah, I'm Joy. Uh, Joy Tiffany Sharp, thank you. Uh, and so we argued, like, like, what is this? And so what it came down to is we picked the closest one, and then we edited it to, to, to be biblical, okay? So here's, here's our working definition of how we would define joy in a biblical, reasonable sense. And uh, we're going to work off this this morning. So uh, it's a state of mind or an orientation of the heart, okay? And then, and then this last part. It is a settled state of contentment, confidence, and hope despite circumstances. Despite, you, won't, you won't find those last two words in any working definition of joy you look up. But that is what biblical joy is. It's a settled state of contentment, confidence, and hope despite circumstances. And we focus on joy uh, every year when we celebrate Advent because of what the angel of the Lord uh, declares upon Jesus' birth. You remember, uh, you guys remember Charlie Brown Christmas, right? And Linus is going to stand up and he's got his blue blanket and he's got his shepherds, you know, and, and he's, and he's going to say... Uh, don't be afraid, uh, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born to you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger, and lying in a manger. And so uh, this week as I prayed about that verse, uh, God, God did two things. One, of course, focusing on joy, which is pretty straightforward. But the second, I couldn't get around the thought of, of what it must have been like, right? I mean, first of all, angel of the Lord appeared. And not just an angel. Remember, it's a whole bunch of angels appear to the shepherds. Pretty cool, right? Anybody seen anything pretty cool lately? Like anybody, like you see something, anybody see a really pretty sunset and like that kind of grabs your attention? You think that's cool, right? Uh, you know, not long ago, uh, uh, Elon Musk has launched a bunch of the satellites into space so we can all have internet, evidently, which I need where I live because uh, mine's terrible. Anyway, uh, so, so I, I don't know if you saw this. You can Google pictures of it. Uh, they, were, they were going through in low orbit, and, and it was a bunch of these lights all together, and there was somebody posted a picture, and it's like, look, Santa's early. No, it's satellites, but whatever. Uh, but you see things like that. I, I, I live out in the country, and so I'll go out at night on a clear night, and I look at the stars, and I'm just like, oh, it's so amazing. Well, guess what? Even like more amazing than angels show up in the middle of that, and they're like, hey, announcement. All right, he's here, the one you've been longing for, the one you've been waiting for, he's here, and here's the sign, here's how you know it's him. You're going to find a baby all wrapped up in, in cloth, and then that's your sign, you know it's him. And I, I think these shepherds, they run into Bethlehem, and I got to think when they see this little baby tightly wrapped in these cloth, they're going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And so I couldn't get that image of Jesus being wrapped up 
uh, out of my mind uh, this week. And so when we talk about joy, I, I'm going to use that imagery this morning and talk about uh, what our joy is wrapped up in. And so there's just three things really. And here's the first, guys. I want you to know that our joy is wrapped up in the person of Jesus. Right? Our joy is wrapped up in the person of Jesus. And so if we were going to do we're just going to do it. Uh, let, let's walk through the birth announcement. And I just kind of want you to notice the language specifically. So here's what it says, again, out of Luke 2, starting in verse 10 uh, and 11. I, I've got it for you here in a second. There we go. Uh, so it says, the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. Uh, that'll be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Okay, so we're going to be very specific about our, our noticing of language. So, so there's good news of great joy. What, what is the good news that's going to bring the whole world great joy? Because it's for you. So there's great joy for me, and it has to do with the news. And the news is not a what. It's a who. Do you, do you know? There's, there's three names that are given, and they're all capitalized. Okay? So it says, here's the, good, here's the source of joy. Ready? The source of joy is a Savior. All right? He is the Messiah, and He will be your Lord. All, all three titles. See, that's something we need to be reminded of as Christians who live in a fallen world, is that our joy isn't wrapped up in our circumstances. It's not wrapped up in, in, in how well we're doing at work, or whether or not we got a raise this year. It's not wrapped up in the price of gas, who sits in office, how much milk costs me. It's not wrapped up in, in, in uh, how I'm doing relationally with others. It's not wrapped up. And that's hard because our world rejects this thought, right? And in fact, Tim Keller not long ago was doing a, a sermon on joy. And so he did some research on how the world defines happiness. And uh, he went to a bunch of websites and, and read a bunch of articles, even, even articles from the Dalai Lama. And he said, you know what, if you were going to read what the world says happiness is all about, it really breaks down to about five things. Okay, first and foremost, they say happiness has to do with the possession of the basics, like food and shelter, uh, health and safety, right? So if you've got those, then, then you've got a chance at happiness, right? Uh, second, uh, it, it has to do with getting enough sleep. Man, some of you with toddlers and young ones, like, I guess you can't be happy, evidently. Uh, you know, if, if you struggle with insomnia, nope, no, no happiness for you. Uh, so so it, sleep is important. That uh, You have to have relationships that matter, right? So... If you find yourself isolated, I don't know, because of worldwide pandemic, um, or somebody that you love is, is no longer with us because of that same pandemic, uh, the world would say, then you're going to struggle with happiness. Uh, if you've got to be able to take care of others and take care of yourself, which means that if you can't do those things, again, the world would say, well, then you're going to struggle with happiness. And then they say you have to do meaningful work. And here's my great problem with the way that our world defines that, because if that's what happiness is all about, there's a huge segment of the world's population that has no shot at happiness because they're born into poverty and they're born into slums and they'll never have what we consider to be daily needs, right? And, and, and so, so our world is literally saying this is what's required. There's a huge segment of our population that deals with anxiety more than ever before and they struggle for sleep and they struggle for peace. And, and, and again, we're saying, well, I guess you'll never be happy. There's a huge segment of our population that has lost somebody that they love and that they cherish and they don't have a meaningful relationship that they just had two years ago. That person's gone. And you're saying, well, then you can no longer be happy. And there's a huge segment of our population that is unable to physically take care of or financially take care of other people. And we're saying, well, therefore, you can never be happy. And there's a huge segment of our population that right now physically can't perform work or emotionally can't perform the work that they once did. And we're saying, 
well, I guess you can never be happy. And yet, here's the crazy thing. When the angel of the Lord appeared, the angel of the Lord did not make an announcement that said, oh, people of earth, if you work hard enough, build big enough houses, wear nice enough clothes, then one day you'll have joy. In fact, the angel of the Lord shows up to a people that are living in oppression uh, with a guy named Herod on the throne who's built a temple so big that it literally casts a shadow over the place that Jesus will be born. They, they, he, he shows up to a people that are literally run by a, a foreign government that doesn't believe what they believe, that doesn't have the same morals or values that they have, and, and yet the announcement says nothing about them. He shows up to people whose circumstances aren't great, and he says, today joy is here. And joy is, ready? He is a Savior, He is Messiah, and He is Lord. And friends, unless we get back to that place where we define joy first and foremost in a person whose name is Jesus, then we'll never really discover what Christmas is all about. All right? So that's where we began, is that joy is wrapped up in the person of Jesus. The second thing I want you to see, though, it's not just wrapped up in the person of Jesus, it's wrapped up in the purpose of Jesus. All right? Our joy is actually wrapped up in the, the purpose of Jesus. And so here's, uh, here's what uh, the, the birth announcement says again. I, I wanna, I'm, I'm going to highlight a few different words. But Luke 2, uh, starting in verse 10, the angel of the Lord says to him, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news, great joy uh, that's going to be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah. So there's good news, it's great joy, it's for all people. What is it? It's not, again, it's not what, it's who, and, but, 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 what is this person? What is this person going to do? Why, why is he come? Why, why is he come? God here with us, Emmanuel. Why is he come? To save us. He's come to save us. And, and Jesus says this about himself, guys, in Luke 19.10. He says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It, it was the reason that he was born. Don't, don't ever like, like think, well, Jesus just came to be a good teacher and, and to, oh, trash, okay? Not why he came, right? I mean, like, that's, like, the world had tons of teachers. Jesus came to show us who God was, yes, but, but more importantly, to, to provide a way that we could have a relationship with God. He came to a group of people that had rebelled against God, had fought against God, who had chosen sin, and, and therefore were facing judgment, and he came to live the righteous decree of God that they couldn't, but also to die in their place, because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So Jesus came, make no mistake, to save people. That's why he came. And, and, and that's why we, it's our source of joy. It's in the purpose of Jesus that we find great joy. And, and, and guys, when we study Scripture, we should know those two are tied together. Uh, King David declares that. Remember, after he totally blows it, uh, he prays for forgiveness. And, and he actually says this in, uh, in Psalms. He, he cries, help me out here. Come on, there we go. Psalm 51, 12. Restore the, restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 11, uh, it talks about the coming of the Messiah. And then when you get to 12, it, it drops this little bomb about, about uh, joy. It says, oh, on that day, this is when the Messiah come, when this Messiah establishes his kingdom. It says, I will give thanks to you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger's turned away. Right? In, in Jesus, it's turned away. And you've comforted me. Indeed, God is my salvation. God himself. I'll trust in him and not be afraid for the Lord. The Lord himself is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. You will joyfully draw water 
from the springs of salvation. So this connection between salvation and joy has always been in the Bible. We just haven't necessarily seen it. And, and here's what I'm going to say to you. So our, our source of joy, it's, it's wrapped up in the person of Jesus, but it's also wrapped up in the purpose of Jesus that he's come to save a sinner like me, which is hard for me to wrap my mind around. But, but then it goes beyond that because this Jesus who saved me then actually gives me purpose too. Ever wandered through life wondering what am I supposed to do? It's horrible, isn't it? Doesn't it stink? I mean, there's another word I would use. We've got a lot of kids in this service. So it stinks. Let's just go with that one. It really stinks. To, we have those moments where we're like, God, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do with my life. And, and, and we wander in darkness kind of feeling like, man, I, nothing I do matters. I, I, I've counseled with so many people. They just feel like nothing they do has importance. And, and they, they, they almost seem hopeless. But Jesus gives us purpose. See, he came to seek and save the lost. But then when he finds them, you know what he says to them? He goes, join me. Join me, right? In fact, he says, listen, I'm the light of the world. And he looks at the people that he saved. And he says, guess what? And now you're going to be the light of the world. So I'm sending you out. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them uh, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You'll be my witnesses. So we get to partake in the very mission of God. Now we all have purpose. And friends, I'm here to say to you today that nothing will bring you more joy, genuine joy in life, than actually living out the purpose for which God has created you or recreated you, how you choose to say it, right? Nothing. I, I, I talked with the staff this week about uh, what it's like. And it's different, uh, a little different when you're in ministry and you do it full time. But I, remembering back to my very first youth group, my very first youth group, before I was even a youth pastor, though, uh, right after I got saved, I remember coming back and we were having camp testimonies and I was like, oh, I'm going to tell people about Jesus. And uh, there was a guy that I was growing up with and the Lord put him on my heart. So I'm driving around and I was crazy enough to listen to the Holy Spirit then. And uh, the Holy Spirit put a guy's name on my heart. So I just drove right to his house uh, to talk to him. And he's not there. And he had a girlfriend. So, so I drive there and she's like, he's not there. So I tell her what Jesus has done for me. And she's like, whoa, that's crazy because you're messed up, dude. And I'm like, yeah, and I need to talk to him. And uh, and so she's like, well, he's working. But I, I said, well, here's the deal. I'm going to tell everybody about what happened to me, and I want him to be there. So he shows up at church Sunday morning, and I get to give my testimony. And, and then in the midst of it, I'm like down at this altar, and I'm, I'm like crying and praying. And he's there, and he heard me talk about Jesus. And, and as I'm praying, I've got all these youth around me, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, get up. So I got up because I was, I was crazy, and I listened to the Holy Spirit. And so I walked to my guy, my friend that I grew up with, uh, lived on my street, like five houses down to the left across the street. And I walk over to him, and I see Jared, and he's like, three rows back, two rows in, and I just look at him, and I come to him, and I'm like, dude, said, it's time, and he just begins to weep and comes to Christ that day, right? First person, like, i just gotten saved, and I'll never forget it, right? And, and I, I could tell you story after story of person after person, I've been blessed to be a part of that. Listen, sometimes we're going to sow the seed, but if you've ever been there to watch somebody receive Christ, whether it's your children, you get to baptize them. Like, like it's just nothing touches it, man. And, and here's what I'm telling you. What if, this is crazy, what if that's what life is really all about? And it's not really all about debt and struggles and whatever somebody else calls success. What if it's really all about people? What if it's really all about introducing people to a God that loves them so much that he sent his very best, his one and only son, to die in their place? If it's about that, and you get to participate in that, there will be something in you that is unlike any other kind of quote-unquote happiness you've ever felt, and it's amazing, y'all. It's amazing, okay? 
So we, we start here, we talk about joy. I'm going to tell you, our joy is wrapped up in the person of Jesus. Our joy is wrapped up in the purpose of Jesus. And we light this candle in a second. Last thing I want you to know is that our joy is wrapped up in the perseverance of Jesus. Our joy is wrapped up in the perseverance of Jesus. So uh, the beautiful thing about Jesus is that doing what he came to do uh, was difficult. It was difficult, man. Uh, because Jesus had, listen, it, it wasn't just that he had to die for us. He had to live for us, right? So Jesus actually had to come to earth and do what you couldn't. He had to live a life without sin. Crazy, right? 33 years, he never sinned, not one time. Y'all, I, I struggle some days to go 33 seconds, okay? Telling you, I mean, especially if I'm driving in traffic, it is rough. It's rough. Christmas traffic, whole nother ballgame, okay? 3.3 seconds. Uh, Jesus comes, he lives what we couldn't. He lives the life we couldn't. But, but, and, and then he dies the death that we deserve. As people mock him, as, as people run from him, as people, like, like listen to this craziness. And, and, and Jesus didn't have to, but he, but he chooses to do this, right? And one of my favorite verses is, uh, it's at the end of Jesus' public ministry. So he's telling his disciples, like, hey, we've got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die in your place. And it, it's this little tiny verse, and, and you only get the, the gravity of it in certain translations, but it's Luke 9, 51. Uh, it says this, it says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, it's talking about his, his death and resurrection and then ascension into heaven. It says that he set his face to go to Jerusalem. So, so it's talking about he, he became resolute in his desire to fulfill God's purpose for his life. There, there came a point, is what I'm saying, that Jesus went from this public, uh, really, uh, like, like a, you know, everybody's into it kind of ministry. He, he goes from this, like, drawing of crowds where everybody's like, hey, Jesus! There comes a point that he's like, and listen, they want to make him king! Like, and there comes a point that Jesus is like, nope! Cross. Cross, that's where I came. And, and it was such a moment that he had to set his face on it. That he had to be determined in it. I mean, I mean, listen, the temptation to deny it was so great that when Jesus is in the garden, he actually prays, Father, if you, can, if you can take this cup from me, then do it. But ultimately, he prays this prayer that will change your life. But God, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Speaks of this, like, man, I'm going to... I'm going to endure this, God. I'm going to do this, right, for, for your sake. Father, not my will, but your will be done. What I'm trying to say to you this morning is that we can have a joy, we can have confidence and hope despite our circumstances because Jesus first did it. Because he first was joy, possessed joy, lived with purpose in spite of all that he faced. Therefore, we can do the same. The author of Hebrews writes, we should keep our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And, and then it has this little line that maybe you thought was a throwaway, but it speaks to me as I focus my heart on Christmas. It says, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. For the that was joy. <laughs> for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy... Of it, And what I'm here to say to you is that if Jesus can endure all that he did and he could find joy in it, then so can we. And no matter what, uh, life throws our way. And by the way, life's going to throw, when you're, when you're trying to live for joy, life's going to throw some junk. <laughs> it's the way that it works. 
But no matter what kind of junk life throws your way, you can still choose joy every day. Right? Every day we can, we can choose it. Because ultimately, here's what it does. It makes us closer to God himself. Right? It makes us closer to God himself. Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 3. It says, my goal is to know him, speaking of Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead, the fellowship of his sufferings. That's what it's about. What he's saying, what Paul's saying is, listen, here's the deal. Because my joy is wrapped up in perseverance, because Jesus persevered, when I go through tough stuff, it actually makes me closer to Jesus, who is the source of joy, right? Who is the source of joy. My mother is trying to FaceTime me up while I'm preaching. Mom, stop it. Hang your butt dialing me right now. It's like three in a row I had to check. I was like, what's going on? All right. Last thing I'll share with you is, is what that does in our life. So here's the disposition that changes in the heart of a Christian versus somebody that doesn't have Christ. All right? Paul writes Romans 5.3, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces endurance. So uh, ultimately, joy uh, looks like me not caring what life throws at me because I know that Jesus has already overcome and so will I. All right? That's hard. Um, this year, this last two years, we've gone through some stuff. Some people in this room have lost people that they love. Some people have changed jobs. Some people are still not back at work. Uh, it's been hard. It's been hard. But I'm here to tell you that you can actually find joy in the midst of it, and you can grow in your faith in the midst of all of that. You really can. So what do we do uh, with, with this, this message, this candle, this Jesus? Right? What do we do? First of all, we've got to receive him. Uh, you know, we, we, we're pretty comfortable with the, the phrase, uh, N-O, no Jesus, N-O, peace, no Jesus, no peace. And then K-N-O-W, no Jesus, then you know peace, right? Same thing's true about joy. No Jesus, no joy. You, you'll have fleeting moments of what the world will call happiness, but you'll never have anything that's real and lasting. You won't have what God defines as joy. And so first, I, I would tell you, at some point, we all have to heed uh, what the shepherd said that day. Today, a Savior has been born for you, and you need him. And this is good news, and it's for you. But at some point, you've got to go to the manger, and you've got to see the baby that's there. And you've got to know that's God's gift for you. And at some point, you have to receive that. Because that baby didn't stay in that manger. He grew up and he lived the life that you couldn't and he died the death that you deserved. And, and, and you, you can't have uh, peace, you can't have hope, and you can't have joy without Jesus. All right? So that, that's where we start. Second, um, I think the text challenges us to rejoice regardless of what ro- life throws our way. Um, y'all, I'm ready for Christmas. And I don't mean uh, presents, and I don't mean all the trimmings, and I don't mean just all the Hallmark stuff. I'm ready for Christmas. Because it's been a while since we have been able to gather together. I, I don't know what you guys know about musicians, but most musicians don't like to play Christmas music. Um, where's all my musicians? Come on, be honest. It's hard. It's, there's weird arrangements. It's not easy to play. Most of my musicians are like, oh, it's Christmas music. It's good. So we often do kind of like a little bit of every, you know, hey, we'll do a Christmas song here, and then we'll do a bunch of this. And, and uh, we started off this year, we kicked it off with our... Um, hanging in the greens, and we had such an amazing service, and, and people were, like, people were singing these Christmas songs like they never had before. I said, guys, we, we, gotta, we gotta do more Christmas songs in worship. 
Because I think people are feeling the same sense. Like, we need to have joy in the midst of this, right? I don't know if you turn on the news. I don't know if you've read it, right? But evidently, this thing's still going on, and there's new variants, and they may not change, and there might be new ones after that, and they may want to give you 15 shots, and they may, like, who knows? I mean, gas will cost $15,000 again. I don't know. Like, we'll just walk everywhere again and barter. Like, that may be where we're headed, but in the midst of it, it doesn't matter. In the midst of all of that, no matter what happens, I can literally walk around knowing that my Jesus is restoring it all and He's coming to make it all new and I get to be a part of it. And Dad, gummit, that's enough. That's enough. Do you know that Christians historically didn't like live in the nice houses that we do or drive any nice cars? That historically they gathered them up and killed them in mass? You know that the church that we're in today and every other church like it across the world was actually founded because Christians were persecuted so hard they ran for their lives. But as they did, they, they, they were filled with joy. Joy. As their families were slaughtered, they ran for their lives. And as they did, people were like, what are you doing? We're worshiping Jesus because He saved us. And even if they catch us and kill us, man, we'll live with Him forever. And the world has been changed by people like that. So if we can embrace what our world's going through, and we can have the joy that only Jesus provides in the midst of it, I just believe that our world still has a huge potential for transformation. All right? So uh, rejoice regardless of what life throws your way. Lastly, um, share the joy of Jesus with others. Right? Share the joy of Jesus with others. Um, you know, when you are a person that has a lot of things messed up, and uh, that's one of the things I love about our church, I really, I try to model that for you guys and just tell you that I'm, I'm totally messed up all the time. Uh, and so, but I love when somebody that is messed up and has a lot going on in life is still like, ha, Jesus is awesome. People are like, you are weird. I mean, it, it'll happen. It'll happen. They're like when you're like, no, man, I'm so excited. I get to go to church. And they're like, but you're broke and you're poor, and you're hurt, and you're, you're like, yeah! Jesus is good. And they're like, man, something's different about you. Here's what I'm going to say to you. I know all the people around you act like they have it together, but they don't. They're hurting, and their life is a mess. And, and, they, and, and listen, they're looking, and they're watching you, oh Christians. And they want to know how you respond. And you know what? When we live in a world full of political or moral turmoil and yet we're still filled with joy, and we don't take every headline like it's the end of the world, or we got to vote somebody in to change it all, because we've got to fight for God. Um, when we instead and just embrace, like, God, I, I believe in your sovereignty. I know that you're in control, and I'm going to choose joy today, uh, even when I'm paying way too much for a gallon of milk or a gallon of gas. When, when, when people can't take the smile off of your face because you know so deeply how flawed you are and that the God of the universe loves you so much that he, he sent his very best, his only son, to die in your place. And he did it for you. While you were still a sinner, not because you loved him, because he loved you first. Dude, that kind of stuff messes with people. And they'll see you and they'll go, you know what? Okay, so yeah, I did lose somebody. I did lose a job. I am struggling. And so are you. And if you can have joy, maybe I can too. Tell me what's different about you. And we get to say it was that baby in the manger. He changed everything. Because he grew up and he died on a cross, but he didn't stay dead. He conquered that. And now he sits in heaven and he sends us his spirit. And you can have that spirit live in you.
Here's how. Those kind of people change the world, church. They always have and they always will. So my challenge to you this Christmas is to let that kind of spirit uh, permeate through you, right? So we light candles at Advent and we celebrate all that Jesus is. Uh, and we begin with this truth that uh, he's our only hope. That Ephesians 2 says before we knew Christ, uh, we were separated and we were without hope, right? And then we know that, uh, as we learned last week, that this Jesus is the only way we can have peace with God. When we were separated from God, we were participants in all of that. Uh, we chose the wrong side. We fought and battled against God as such. We were his enemies and we were objects of his wrath. But Jesus came that we could have peace with God. And then this morning we learned that this Jesus is our source of joy. That no matter what the world throws our way, that we know that we will overcome just like he overcome and so, overcame. And so we light the third candle, uh, the joy candle, and then we will pray together as a church. Pray with me. Uh, Father God, thanks for loving us and thank you for the gift of your son. King Jesus, thank you for coming to, to, to do what we couldn't, to live the life we couldn't, to die the death that we deserve. God, do a work in us today, this very morning. Give us your sense of joy, Lord. We need it more than anything else. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.